1: Testing, testing. Okay, that looks fine. This is this looks fine. It's all fine. <laughs> my, my entire front lawn is exposed, but it's fine. There's a trench. It's like a deep, deep trench. A dog could fall in there and die, but it's fine. Here we go.
2: Stop and
1: Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California. It's nobody listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life tonight. People, people who bug people, are the annoyingest people of all. Now that we're seeing people again, how do we deal with them? We forgot, especially the difficult ones. Am I a difficult person? You can tell me. Do I get clingy and needy? And Why won't you just talk to me? Don't walk away from me! Anyway, our friend Professor Jonathan Bowman is here to help us cope with each other. And if that's not enough wisdom for you, we've got another big bucket of sagacity for you. It's the return of the quote party. I'm Adam Felber, this podcast's Captain Von Trapp, trying to keep my unruly brood in line and put their best, most mannerly feet forward as they enter polite society. And now, please welcome the woman who careens through this show like a deranged nun, filling everyone's heads with weird ideas and everyone's bellies with double-stuffed Oreos. It's Paula Poundstone. Yay!
0: Hey, you guys.
3: Yay. It's a one-woman clap.
1: <laughs> That's right. Tony, Tony Anita Hall is, uh, is off at Disneyland tonight. Yeah. She's yeah. on vacation, yeah. so... Bonnie's going to have to be a one-woman cheering section.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, You know what? The whole day has just been stuff like that. Just stuff. You know what I mean? What a day. The first thing that happened is I got a phone call from Bonnie asking if I had read her email. I hadn't. Well, it turned out our newest episode had dropped today, and somehow it came out like Ricky Ricardo's movie audition film when Lucy edits in (laughs) her and Fred and Ethel. Nobody's on Facebook let out a, a collective cry for help. One listener asked if it was performance art. It wasn't.
1: It wasn't. No, it was a, it was a cock up, yeah.
0: It was it was not good. Uh, we took it down, fixed it and put it back up, but this this required me to to listen to the episode to be sure that it was correct. And I'm going to tell you a secret, you guys. I hate listening to myself. I, I don't know how the rest of you do it. I hate my voice. I hate the stupid shit I say. I, I did listen. <laughs> I mean, when I say nobody listens to Paula Poundstone, I'm on their side. I understand. <laughs> I didn't say they should. I just said that they don't. Uh, uh, you know what? I did listen, though, and I'm so glad that I did because... Uh, when I was listening to the book club part, I realized something about why I don't like Eat, Pray, Love. I I heard myself say in that episode that I didn't like Elizabeth Gilbert or her book because she's self-centered. But then, and I was sifting while I was listening, and all of a sudden it dawned on me. I dropped my sifter. It struck me like lightning. <laughs> I'm self-centered. <laughs> That's why I don't like the book. She never mentions me. The, the, and it turns out, when I got thinking about it. I thought, I thought, that's why I didn't like The Sun Also Rises, or, or The Great Gatsby, or The Sound and the Fury. They don't mention me at all.
1: It's almost like all of the great works of literature fail to mention you.
0: Well, precisely. I, I hated Dostoevsky's The Idiot because I was so disappointed. I thought for sure I'd be all over that book, but nary a word. I, I realize that I just took us right into the book club meeting without you even... And you, and you
1: can't because I don't want to uh, hit you with the self-centered stick any harder than you're already hitting yourself. Um yes. When you listen back to this podcast, if you do... Did you I will forget? Noti- you, will notice, you will notice. What is the matter with me? Oh, okay. my <laughs> gosh.
0: Did I... For- okay, wait. I'm not going another step until I thank House Band... <laughs> Returning champ, Aiden McDonald from Los Angeles on the harp. Thank you very much, Aiden. You sound wonderful. And I I you know part of the reason I didn't thank you right away was you hadn't said anything about me yet. But now I realize my mistake. So thank you so, so much.
1: Um Wow, Paula, you know, it, it's been chaos over here today, too. While nobodies were dealing with the tragedy of a show that sounded like performance art, I was just having a routine surveying of my plumbing system happening. Uh, what do you mean and, a routine and, surveying? Well, we needed, we needed to look in the drains. So we might do some work oh. soon, so we just sent a camera down there. Yeah. Uh, the, the minute they cleared some soil off my pipes, the clay pipes in the front of the house, crumbled yeah. to the ground. And so, like, oh, I, I needed God. an instant estimate. The water had to be shut off. Everything. It was just. It's going to be Ooh. a big thing. <laughs> we were dealing with oh, it all day today.
0: Oh my gosh! All right. Who's it? A, well, it was a bad day.
1: From that unpleasantness, let's get to the unpleasantness that we call the Nobody Listens to of Paula of Poundstone Book Club. I'm bringing Yay! it to order. We're reading Ebrei Love. Yeah. All right. Oh, now, yeah. Now we read. Eat, pray, love. I think it was chapters fifty-six to sixty-five this week. No, it was
0: forty-six to
1: fifty. No, yeah, it I, think, is. You're, I it's think you're right.
3: Forty-six to fifty-six.
1: Forty-six to fifty-five.
0: Yeah, that's it. Bonnie read another book entirely. <laughs> Bonnie, no, I didn't.
1: I doubt Bonnie is Bonnie. reading this book, and and Tony's not here. So Paula, why don't you lead us off? She's on the ashram in uh, India, and yeah. uh, she's feeling light penetrating her entire soul, and she's. Uh, also struggling with her inner demons, and occasionally she goes out into town or tells us an interesting story, but mostly it's more of Elizabeth Gilbert being Elizabeth Gilbert.
0: No, mostly in this week's chapters, she's at it again. She just keeps crying. Alice in Wonderland didn't cry as much as this woman. Uh, uh, By the way, I didn't really like Alice in Wonderland either. I'm not mentioned at all, unless you count Tweedledee. In this week's, chapters elizabeth (laughs) writes to herself again and again she keeps doing that thing where she writes to herself and then she writes herself back saying that she loves her and she won't ever leave her what the fuck does that mean she's like the kraken lawyer Sidney powell who says uh she's been in herself a long time
1: Uh, yeah that's that's god writing to her back not only that she has dreams where yogis tell her that she's awesome and she just needs to become more awesome. And she has a friend, the really entertaining Texan, that we know nothing about except that he exists to tell her if she could just get out of her own way, she'd be enlightened.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. He can't quite figure out what he's doing there. He apparently has all the answers already. Um, Yeah, so why is he on the ashram? (laughs) Yeah, he should be out his own wares uh, somewhere. Yeah, she does this weird thing where she writes to herself and then... She feels that God is writing back to her. It happens to be in her own handwriting. So there's a person who feels good about themselves. Um, Apparently, like, she's suggesting that she doesn't know, like, until she reads it, what God said. Right? Like, that it's somehow mysterious to her, that her hand is moving and she's writing. But it's God Respond. She could actually make one of those treasure hunts that I used to make for my kids where you hide a series of notes, each telling you where to look for the next note, and eventually they all lead to a gift. She could make one of those for herself because she doesn't have any idea. And she is
1: constantly giving herself gifts. There's no doubt about it.
0: Yeah. Listen, our problem with the episode that dropped today, um, that's just the universe speaking to us, surely.
1: Yes. You know what? It was telling us that we don't love ourselves enough, and the lion inside our hearts needs to rise up and roar. You have no idea how much we love us.
0: Yeah. No, I sat right down and wrote to myself uh, after that challenge this morning.
1: and, uh, And what did you write back?
0: Well, you know, I didn't know what I had written until later, and I went and looked at it. And by the way, a lot of very swirly font I used, and my eyes were dotted with flowers like how amy hayes wrote in the sixth grade and apparently god said you fucking idiot oh <laughs> so yeah yeah, oh. yeah that's harsh language for god
1: god doesn't love you as much as he loves elizabeth gilbert yeah. And you know, I I, would, I want to say this about Elizabeth Gilbert. You know that Disney trope like Snow White and Cinderella, where they wake up in the morning and they throw open their window, and all the birds and all the butterflies just land on their shoulders and tootle a happy tune at them, and all of nature conspires to love this woman. I feel yeah. like Elizabeth Gilbert lives her life like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I have that, but with spiders and flies. <laughs> <laughs> I throw the window open, and there's spiders and cobwebs. Yeah.
1: Since we can't go to Sherman Oaks, let's take a trip now up north to the Simi Valley. You might remember that was where the OJ trial was relocated to about 30 years ago. And up there is Bonnie Burns, and she's got a hot take on these chapters. Bonnie?
3: Well, uh, I'm just so torn about what I'm going to say today. This whole book reminds <laughs> me of, of... Oh, wait. I have the theme song for the book club. I totally forgot to mention oh, that. For okay. sake. Oh, for heaven's sakes. How could we have forgotten about Wait. that? I Huge know. oversight okay. on Here our part
1: go. not to remind you to sing the theme song. No.
3: <laughs> have a slight variation on it tonight. Okay. We've got a book club. We've got a book club. We've got a bookie, 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 book club. Tonight's episode Eat, pray, suck.
1: Wow, Bonnie, are you okay? It sounded like you might—that might have been a death rattle at the end there. Are you all right? I thought
3: I'd (laughs) set myself up for what I wanted to say about this book. Yeah. Okay. I sit down to read it, and I keep thinking to myself, "How much more of this do I have to endure?" You know, Adam, I'm starting to agree with you. I really don't think she had a lot of this experience. I think she sat down, like maybe she went to Italy on assignment. And then she went, I could write a really commercial book of, like, this woman who went to find herself. I'll throw in an ashram. I'll throw in meditation. Okay, I got divorced (laughs) from my husband. I'll make up, like, a story about that. Oh, women like a thing about dieting. I'll eat. They'll love hearing that. Self-discovery. And on such a base level that it could really appeal to people. And the other thing is I'm so bored by her. And these things that happen, (laughs) like, I think it was chapter... 48 or something when she's having all those like the bad dreams a dog chasing Come her on. and then he tries to kill her and you know she can't sleep but she gets up when she walked into that bathroom and <laughs> you know, went down on the floor and started crying like she did when the book started. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, there's just something about it that rings so not true. And then I think it's the next chapter. Now she's Elizabeth is so upset that, you know, she left her husband and maybe she shouldn't have done that. And she's telling the guy, Richard, you know, who's so much more involved than she is. And she goes, but you don't understand. He was my soulmate. And this guy, Richard, says, this is his response. You can't stay with your soulmate forever because that person's job is to
1: show you how you need to change.
3: I burst out laughing.
1: Yeah. I hear you, Bonnie. I, you know what? I'll tell you, I, I was having that same feeling of reading that exact same speech. I was like, there is no way this enlightened guru, toothpick-chomping t- old Texan is saying these words. It just it felt false.
0: You know what? You know what I think would have made this book better is if she only used public restrooms. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a lot harder to sob on the floor of a public restroom. I'm with you.
0: Yeah. There would always be other interesting characters while she was crying. That's true. And there would be people that would just be, well, get up out of there. What are you doing? Yeah.
3: I mean, she never says, like, I decided not to bathe for a month. Like, have, like, a really risky experience. I will
1: say this. I think she wrote the outline for the book before she left. And and, and she then went to Italy and went to the ashram. And 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 went to wherever she goes after that, Indonesia, I think. Um, but I think she knew exactly what was going to happen. She's, you know, as she self confesses, absolutely control freak and, and a reasonably talented writer. Um, yeah, I think it was all it was all manufactured, and what didn't actually happen to her was was you know right out of the outline.
3: I agree, mm. and I think you know if you read some of these spiritual books, you could thumb through them and go. Oh, kundalini yoga, okay, I'll write about that, like that happened to me. Oh, you know, this little (laughs) pearl of wisdom, I'll put that down. Oh, you know, he
0: breaks up with me and this happens. But don't you think if she's making it all up, it would be a little more interesting? That she would choose more interesting things? No, because like once you said to me that you thought that Trump picked a group of
3: people to go after that he thought he could cultivate to support him. And I think she's written this book to appeal to a large group of people.
0: We're reading it. So it's <laughs> so amazing. She, it? she made that sale. <laughs> you know, how is it that it was Tony who wanted to read this book? And she's at Disneyland and we're all reading this fucking
1: book. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's
0: making so, me a little resentful, frankly
1: it is but i'm glad i'm glad that we all agree and we had a harmonious i'm going to bring this book club to a close it might be our first eat pray love session where no one was censured so um i'm going to draw down the hammer on that well done everybody
0: i loved it i loved the chapters i think she's brilliant i think that she did all of this stuff
1: paula we're censuring you <laughs> no we're not we're not going to i just <laughs>
0: wanted there to be i wanted there to be some controversy
1: uh, y- you know what uh Let's get some controversy, because I'm sure you have another one of those really controversial vocabulary words for us tonight.
0: Oh, my gosh. I do, Adam. I have a word. It's ninny hammer. It's a (laughs) noun that means a fool or simpleton. Here, I'll I'll use it in a sentence. I push send without proofreading because I am such a ninny hammer. Here, I'll, I'll use it in a family setting. Wow. This soup bowl is really hot. Why don't you pass me your bowl and I'll serve you? Honey, did you do your homework yet? I, I, I almost forgot. I, I'm such a ninny hammer. I hope you put my tools back after you use them. Fill my bowl to the brim if you would, dear. I didn't use your tools, Dad. I said I was a ninny hammer. It means a fool or simpleton. I didn't think I had a ninny hammer. I have a claw hammer and a ball peen hammer. Oh, this soup is hot. Why don't you give a man some warning, you ball peen hammer? Ninny hammer is a great (laughs) word. It is. But I'm such a ninny hammer myself, I'll never remember it. So let me try putting it into the vocabulary song and see if that helps. All right. Ah, this week's word is ninny hammer. It's a noun that means a fool or simpleton. It was my idea to use squeaky tennis balls at Wimbledon. Last week's word (laughs) was (laughs) a It's a noun that means the erection of hair on the skin due to cold fear or excitement. Got hair so thick I couldn't squeeze through a tight vent. The week before that, the word was ineffable. It's an adjective that means too great or extreme to be expressed in words. Elected officials supporting the big lie are really turds. Going back before that, the word was nadir. It's a noun that means the lowest point in the fortunes of a person or organization. I'm trapped in an elevator with an evangelical Christian and a nauseated Dalmatian. And not long ago, the word was mumpsimus. It's a noun that means a traditional custom or notion adhered to although shown to be unreasonable. No one's mean at Christmas time cause it's unseasonable. Let's never forget Gallimaufry, which I pronounced wrong until nobody, James Hyder, corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge? Hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do, I do. Right. Oh, there it is. Oh, my God. That's great. Ninnyhammer. Oh, it's such a great word. Yeah, but ninny means exactly the
1: same thing. It must just be a shortening of ninnyhammer. I don't know. Or, or it could just be a tool. A tool. It could be. All right. Coming up, Jean-Paul Sartre famously wrote, Hell is other people. And then he added, especially the way Albert slurps his soup. We'll learn how to handle our fellow humans next on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone.
3: Adam doesn't think my song is
0: replicable, replicable,
3: replicable, replicable, but I do,
0: I do, I do, I do. Adam, you know I have a house full of cats and a couple of big dogs, so I have this one cat who every night likes to stand in the hallway and yowl. And he has kind of a, a little bit like me because uh, of allergies. I don't know why he has it, but his name is Theo and he has a really gravelly voice. So he'll, it's it's hard to describe it. I can't do a good impression, um, but it's a little dusty, gravelly voice. Okay. So earlier I was laying on the living room floor because I'm exhausted and I'm wearing a nylon fiber filled vest. As I'm laying on the floor, Theo shoves his head through one sleeve of the vest and crawls up and is now stuck inside in between my back and the vest and is yelling because he can't get out. And then finally his head comes out the other sleeve and he goes out. What's not to love? That's what I say. What is not to love?
1: Which brings me to this. as they are. Because vet bills
0: can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet
1: bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit ASPCAPetInsurance.com slash Paula. That's A-S-P-C-A. We spelled that A-S-P-C-A. PetInsurance.com slash Paula. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got the Comfort Stretch Traveler Five Pocket Pants. And I got the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. These are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good.
0: I ordered the brushed, On this day in unremarkable history, telegraph inventor Samuel Morse said, What? I'm just tapping. I I didn't say anything.
1: Thank you, house band Aiden McDonald and Paula Poundstone. You are back on the road.
0: I'm back on the road. You you know what? I don't... I was never that good socially to begin with, but now let me just say, I'm a little on the rusty side. I I was just uh, up in San Francisco at at Comedy Day in Golden Gate Park, and people would come up and talk to me, and I couldn't tell if just everyone was saying weird shit to me, which it felt kind of like, but I just felt like I didn't know what to say.
1: Wow. Wow. And is, was that worse than it was before the uh, pandemic? Yeah, it seems to be. Dealing with people can be hard, but Paula, this is going to shock you. What? We, by amazing happenstance, have an expert in that subject right here, right now. Get out of town. It's true, and you might remember him. Jonathan Bowman is a professor of communication studies at the University of San Diego, where he teaches courses in human communication. His most recent book, Masculinity and Student Success in Higher Education, can be purchased anywhere books are sold. Please welcome Professor
2: Jonathan Bowman.
1: Welcome, John.
2: Thank you. It's great to be here.
0: How are you?
2: I'm doing well. Staying out of trouble right now, that's for sure.
0: Well, that's, that's good. See, I, I wanted to use my how are you, um, to, because that's a tried and true uh, conversation piece in a social interaction. I'm trying to be at my best. So I'm really strong in this. I think everybody's gotten a little rusty. Uh,
2: I'm having trouble sometimes even, like, navigating the grocery store. I mean, it's it's... A whole different world just because we're all a little rusty.
0: Yeah. I was in the grocery store the other day and I just went up to a total stranger and I grabbed him by the collar and said, where are the fucking raisins? And I just felt the fool because I don't think that's how I used to do it.
2: You know, what's interesting, right, is we have the content information and then the relationship information. And that's those are both a part of all the things that we usually include in our messaging. And we're still pretty good at that content, right? Which is trying to figure out where the raisins are. But that relational yeah. stuff, just the, hey, how's it going? I have a quick question for you. I hope it's not a problem, but can you tell me where the raisins are? That stuff's been out of the window for us for a couple couple months now. So we're all trying to build up that part of us while our content part is still going strong.
0: All right. Can we throw at you some some uh, you know some, some difficult people choices and you tell us what to do with them?
2: Yes, please do.
0: Okay. Someone who brags you know, someone, you you know, people who say like, Oh, I got so much done during the stay at home order. Oh my God. Look at, I'm physically fit and I've got a, I've, I got two or three more jobs and the kids are going to college. Right. That, that person.
2: Yeah. We, you know, it's, it's hard, right? Because everyone needs the chance to toot their own horn. Right. So uh, the difference is picking our audience um, who we're going to toot our horn towards. So, Um, Usually that would be our family or our relational partners. Like those are healthy people um, to do it with. So the bigger question is, is the person who's bragging in your life uh, close to you? Um, And if they're not close, uh, you might wonder why they're doing it. Um, But if they're still important, you know, maybe you have to figure out what's motivating them to try so hard to brag so hard to look cool or interesting or, you know, exciting. And so, Sometimes just by figuring out what's going on with that person, you can figure out how to help them not brag as much around you anymore, right? Like it could be loneliness, it could be insecurity or ambition, right? Like any of those things can be addressed um, and help us you know, not have them brag as much to us. They'll probably still brag to other people, but maybe not to us as much.
0: I think with this guy, it's that he didn't know where the reasons were. And so he was just blurting (laughs) stuff out. I think he just felt threatened, Paula. Yeah, that could be. What about a stranger, right? Somebody that you don't know, um, but they're a nose peeper. They they talk with their nose out of their mask.
2: Oh, that's hard, right? So if this is someone that you don't know at all, I, I'd probably just discontinue the interaction, right? It's, it's something that I wouldn't recommend confronting just because everyone is so on edge right now, right? For all the things we've talked about right. before and a whole bunch of other things, like... People are it's kind of rough. So when it comes to kind of fight or flight, like you have to remember that people at their wits end right now, and I would say just flight. Like if you can get away from the interaction, <laughs> just do it without apology, without anger, without yeah. confrontation, just kind of get away. But if you can't get away, um, you, you kind of just need to be direct, right? So something like hey, I'm really struggling with protecting my health. I'm wondering if maybe you could pull up your mask or maybe we could continue this later when it's more comfortable for both of us. Like But that then could you're be a calling good... them a pestilential disease carrier, aren't you? <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you don't want to do that, do you?
0: Um, would it be inappropriate to say, excuse me, Mr. McCaw, if you could just pull your mask up over that schnoz, I'd really appreciate it.
2: I mean, that's kind of what I'm recommending, just maybe a little bit softer language, right?
1: But I got to say, whenever you refer to somebody's schnoz, you're not going to be in their good graces. (laughs) I think schnoz is is fighting
2: words almost always. Yeah. I've never hit on someone telling them they have a beautiful schnoz. See?
0: Yeah, they're not. uh, Yeah, it's true. It's not uh, uh, words of praise. Schnoz.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, okay, how about someone who's kind of in your space, like a really close talker, somebody who just kind of crowds you, and and you've got nowhere to back away to anymore? How do you how do you create the space that you need, particularly in these dangerous times when
2: exposed schnozzes are breathing disease all over you? <laughs> sure. So the first thing to think about is, you know, really what's going on here, right? Is this person doing it for a power play, or is it just out of ignorance? Because if it's out of ignorance, it's super easy. You can just let the person know, and most people will be happy to respond very graciously, right? Like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm a little claustrophobic right now. Could you give me a couple of feet of space? And people will totally back up, right? As long as you're kind of taking the why, why like, can you do this for me rather than you need to do this because this is what you need to do, right? If it's a if it's a power play, like a direct confrontation's not gonna get you anything, right? That's not the best way. Um, okay. The one thing I will say though, right, is that there's plenty of nonverbal things you can do with your body to make that person want to move back. Right. So, um, your words may not be the best way to get someone to get out of your space. Right. So, uh, there's so some you things should that fart.
1: I, <laughs> I kind of thought the same thing. It sounds like you were
2: suggesting farting. uh, farting is uh definitely an option um but it's it's kind of hard to have one preloaded and ready to go um (laughs) not for me (laughs) um but uh you know erratic or spastic movements as weird as that sounds like just moving your elbows around it it makes people kind of a little nervous about the fact that you might accidentally hit them with your elbows and so they might take a step back right and also your behavior is weird or strange enough that they're very likely to kind of remove themselves from the situation in some way.
0: So you're supposed to start flapping your elbows? Uh, Yeah.
2: That's just kind of an (laughs) example. Not like a bird, right? But like kind of taking up (laughs) space, making yourself appear larger, taking up more room. Right? We talk about man spreading, like when men kind of tend to spread out to take over a space. Yeah. Uh, People tend to shrink back from that. But there's no reason why only men... Should be able to manspread, right? Like that's just kind of a cultural norm. But the more you that take up scary. space, the more people will make space for you.
0: So wait. So while you're talking to the person, if you could just gain weight, right then.
2: <laughs> Some of us, that's very easy to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, or just you could just have like an inflatable suit and just, pff, pff,
2: pff. yeah. But if you if you think about the ways we take up space, right, like. Puffing your chest out, like holding your arms a little bit out from your body, um, kind of moving your um, hands so they're not resting on your body, taking them out of your pockets, putting your hands on your hips, holding your head up high, um, spreading your legs apart a little bit. Like these are all ways that we can kind of easily make ourselves appear larger. Right. These are the things that animals do in the wild to scare off other animals. This is what we want to do on our own space. What do you do about somebody who can't stop telling you what to do? Ooh. So there's this great theory called politeness theory. And politeness theory says that kind of two of our main motivations in life as humans are that we want to present ourselves in the way we want to be presented. And we don't want okay. other people to impose themselves upon us. And so this really says that what you're feeling is like one of the primary irritants as a human, right? Like this idea that someone else is telling you what to do. Someone else is trying to force you to do something. Right. And, and I think that's the thing that we have to realize is one, we can't react negatively because we don't know necessarily where this person's coming from. But at the same time, we need to think through like, am I just getting upset because this person's trying to like manipulate me or, or, or get me to do something or is it yeah, something I, I should actually be doing and I just don't like the fact that someone told me
1: well there's definitely all of that but I have at least one relationship in my life where it's just somebody that you know I see more or less day to day we we you know we kind of work together and <laughs> it's just somebody who just tells me what to do at all times has a better reason why why their way is better than my way
0: also, sometimes there's this sort of, sometimes it can be something that is so obvious
1: to do. That you don't need to be told, yes. Right,
0: that it needn't be said. And then it just feels like uh, like the person thinks you're an idiot.
2: So in that case, you need to think, like, how much do I really care about this person? How much do I care about this relationship? How much do I need to really say in it? And. If it's something that you're going to need to stay in, something that you need to continue, then confrontation in a calm, uh, kind of slightly removed from the moment when it happens kind of conversation. Like that's going to be a really great way to kind of broach the subject. It's it's much worse to immediately say like, oh my gosh, you're telling me stuff I already know and you're driving me crazy, right? That's not going to work.
1: Okay, that makes sense to me. That helps. I got to make a phone call. Can you excuse me for just a second? Sure. No, I'm kidding. Hey, you know, um, Kendall Jenner once said... Wait a minute. <laughs> I was going to call my friend and What the tell fuck? Him. Oh! <laughs> I, guess, I guess that wasn't clear. Hopefully it'll be clear to some of our listeners. Um, you know, Kendall Jenner once said, there's a lot of annoying things about me. I'm taking her out of context, but you know what? I'm comfortable with that. Don't judge me, Bowman. I need this. We'll discuss more productive modes of social interactions when we come back. The cat of the week is C.K. Dexter Haven from Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> And we're back with Professor Jonathan Bowman. Jonathan, you're helping us handle difficult people. Paula, I'm not calling you difficult. I'm saying you should ask him a question. You're not difficult. <laughs> At least I wouldn't say it out loud if you were. You're fine, Paula. I get along with you very well. No annoyances. We're friends.
0: Very good friends. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Adam. for, uh, for th- Thank you for uh, smoothing over any challenges we may have. Uh, so, Jonathan what What about somebody who lies?
2: Oh Ooh. Yeah, that's probably one of the most annoying ones of them all. Um, okay, so if someone is lying to you and they're lying to you regularly, it's not just like a one- time thing, but it's something that happens frequently. I think the most important thing is to really think about how much you need that person in your life. And that sounds harsh. But a lot of times these are optional relationships, and maybe we should uh, you know rethink uh, whether or not that person is really worth spending time around, right? Because you're always going to be living in wonder about if whatever they're telling you is true. But a lot of those relationships are necessary, right? They're ones that we can't easily change. They're your kid or your parent, they're your um, boss and you need the job, right? Those kinds of things. So in -hmm. that case, you need to really, you know, think through um, what's going on. And I think one of the first things to do is to think about, you know, why is this person motivated for lying? Like, why are they lying? Um, does the lie benefit themselves? Does it benefit you or does it benefit your relationship with them, right? Those are kind of the three primary reasons why someone would lie to you, right? Mm-hmm. They're trying to either like help themselves help you or help the relationship that the two of you have. And I think it's it's oftentimes much more acceptable uh, for us sometimes if we're able to realize that the person is lying to make us feel better, right? We still don't like the behavior. We still don't want it to happen. Um, But if that's the reason, if they're trying to protect us, then that's when you can have a good, honest conversation and say something like, Hey, you know what? I know you're trying to protect me, um, but I'm strong enough to handle this on my own. Like, I'd prefer you just to be honest. Like that's going to be the best way to really uh, reach me. Um, Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) So, so I think it's, you know, trying to figure out like these lies, are they, are they, you know, quote unquote good lies or are they bad lies? Right. And in that case, if you are stuck with someone who's a liar, you can't get rid of them, you recognize that they're lying mostly for their own good, and you can't remove yourself from the situation, I think the only thing you can do is really just keep track and remind yourself before interactions with them that they are likely lying to you, right? And this is the least desirable option, but it'll at least protects you from believing their lies again, right? Going into every interaction with them, assuming, hey, you know what? This person has a history of lying to me. They're probably going to be lying to me again. Let me at least take this with a grain of salt. I'm going to keep an open mind still because I need to for my own sanity. But just remembering in the back of my mind that there's a possibility that this person is lying to me.
0: You know, good. what I what I usually, and this is probably not right, but what I usually do when somebody lies to me is I say, um, oh, I forgot to watch you on Fox last night.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good way to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, let me ask you about another one that's a big pet peeve of mine. somebody who's habitually late. Now, to me that's that that it just enrages me because it feels like that person lives in a world where they never have to wait for anybody because they're making everybody wait for them. Yeah, um, and it just drives me out of my gourd. Um, what do you do about that kind of thing? I,
2: I actually caught myself apologizing to someone because I was only two minutes early to something uh, about two weeks ago. And then I realized, like, oh, man, I'm the one with the problem here. Um, So I think when it comes to, um, like, being late, um, this is a cultural thing. There's actually a whole study of this called chronemics that studies how um, different cultures use time differently and how even within the United States there are different time cultures, right? So it could have been based upon your cultural group, but also even your family group and how you process time as a child growing up.
1: Wow. Well, no, I'm talking about somebody who every time this person walks into the room and arrives late says, I'm sorry I'm late, and then tells you a story as to why that is.
2: So in that case, right, one thing to do would be to do something important or interesting or fun right at the beginning of your time together and not be able to include them, right? And it can be something really stupid or silly. Like, um, you know, I I heard of people, you know, bringing snacks that are divided evenly based on how many people are there at the beginning of the meeting. Like, oh, I brought a cinnamon (laughs) roll there's five of us here, I'm going to cut it in five pieces and everyone gets one except for the person who's late. And it sounds oh. kind of silly, but if that person likes cinnamon rolls, they're going to get there a little bit earlier the next time just in case.
0: Yeah, or you say, like, you say, <laughs> I already gave out the bags of cash. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I would say, if you're listening to us out there, you know nobody. If you're familiar with never waiting around for anybody when groups of people meet up and you're never waiting around, think about why that is. Never.
0: W- oh, I see. Well, there's always got to be a last person that joins. Yeah, but the- if you're
1: always the last person, I'm just I'm just reaching out. I'm hoping that people will hear me.
0: Oh, so you're hoping to change the to change the world with this? I'm trying. Yeah, as, yes, as opposed, people
1: sh- it's just within 15 minutes of when you say you're going to be at lunch.
0: But Jonathan is here to help us figure out how to cope with these difficult behaviors or these difficult people, not to help you change people, like the, the, the idea is how do you cope with it?
1: I, I'd rather they did, but okay, you're right, you're right. I know you're right.
2: <laughs> Carry on. One other thing I'd say, uh, people, people also talk about the idea of just kind of um, practicing kind of a, a, a wakefulness and a readiness to do other things or to think other things or to accomplish other things while you're waiting for other people. And I don't love that as a suggestion, but people claim that it works pretty well. So um, I might show up somewhere and bring a book that I don't have to like get deeply into, knowing that they'll probably be about five minutes late and knowing that because of my personality, I'll be there about 10 minutes early. That gives me 15 minutes to uh, send a couple of emails, send a text message or to read a little bit of a book. And that can kind of help me reclaim that time. So I'm not just looking at my watch and tapping my foot and hating the person that's making me wait
0: there. I also, I don't know if you want to include this in your in your course of study, uh, uh, Jonathan, but I I, <laughs> uh, I will just drive a Winnebago when I'm going to meet somebody so that, you know, if they don't show up on time, I can just make pancakes or something. Or sleep, you know. yeah, or go to yeah. sleep. Yeah, sure. Exactly.
1: What about people okay, who... Okay, but what about... Omnip- okay, but... Okay, no, what okay, about people what who about, inter- People who interrupt <laughs> okay,
0: drive wait,
2: both me and Paul crazy
0: Wait, uh, what about people who <laughs>
2: Oh my okay. gosh I don't want to interrupt, so I'm just Do I'm you ever waiting, deal with just... anybody
0: who oh my
1: gosh. <laughs> I mean, this has gotten a lot worse <laughs> during the COVID yeah, times because, because of the delays
0: Because of the delays Because of the delays in, pre- <laughs> no, in communication Do you ever deal with anybody who interrupts?
2: <laughs> um So zoom aside, right? So if we're just talking about normal conversations, right? So it, when people are interrupting, um, the the term we use a lot of times is competitive interrupting, and that's when someone's interrupting with the goal of trying to reduce your own talking well, time. Let, let,
1: let me cut you off right there, John. What we're talking about here is competitive interrupting. <laughs> it,
2: it's, it, it's like an Olympic sport. <laughs> yeah. Anything go you on, can on. do,
0: I can do Better? Better? <laughs>
2: So with with that competitive interrupting, right, like the person's whole goal is to try and talk more than you to try to speak more than you to steal your thunder to steal your, um, your ability or or time to speak to do it like one of the things that we can really try to do in that situation is um, use our, our bodies to indicate to that other person that it's not okay to interrupt you, right. And so one of the things that people oftentimes do is they will use their eyes in order to get the person to not interrupt. And we tend to feel more empowered to interrupt when we're making eye contact with another person. So if you can use your eyes, and this sounds really weird, but if you can use your eyes and not look at the other person directly, they're less likely to interrupt you because they're looking to make eye contact with you to shove their words in. So one way to protect ourselves from being interrupted is actually looking away. And the other way is um, this little trick we have that kind of irritates us public speaking teachers, right? But That's when we keep talking or we keep making a noise or we keep making a sound. We call it a vocalized pause, right? We all know what this is. It's when someone goes, uh, um, uh, well, right? And that kind of speaking is the same as not making eye contact with someone, right? So if I were to come to the end of my sentence and not know what I was going to say yet, but I knew I didn't want someone to be able to interrupt me and take my my spot, I might still kind of make my words longer until I remembered what I was going to say and keep going on.
0: It's like a placeholder, right? It's like putting your jacket on a chair so someone else can't sit down there. Like, no, 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 I'm still talking. It's filibustering. That's I'm still, exactly talking, it still talking, still talking, um, still <laughs> talking. Yeah, what about... Um, I, I, and you'll never know who I'm talking about now, but I have a friend, very close friend, mm. known many years... Uh Who who interrupts because she doesn't hear? That isn't true.
3: (laughs) (laughs) She just keeps saying that. You know what, Jonathan? Sometimes this is how she talks on the cell phone. (laughs) That isn't my fault.
2: That's not your
1: fault. No, but she never talks like that in a cell phone, Bonnie.
3: (laughs) No, sometimes she
0: does. like it's muffled because she's got a flip phone. It's not just with me it's when we're on the conference call and it's frequent and it's because you don't hear Jonathan what about when you what about a friend who you, you're, you're telling a difficult truth to is there a is there a special way of doing that I think she's told the difficult truth already you didn't hear it I) <laughs>
1: All right, so so um since she can't hear us, uh Jonathan, how do we go about telling Bonnie she's deaf?
2: I mean, obviously there's not an easy way to tell I can't Wait, wait, hear Jonathan, him. your audio just went out. Your, your audio actually just went out.
0: Now Bonnie's gonna I think you blame you
1: accidentally muted yourself on your phone. Oh, Bonnie's there we go. gonna blame oh, there
0: Bonnie's we go. gonna blame this on Jonathan and say she couldn't hear him because he was muted. 100%.
1: I heard everything he
0: I heard everything he said.
1: So mm-hmm. how, how do we break the news to some notional friend of ours that they might have some problems hearing us? I know.
3: Oh,
0: he's not talking. <laughs> I <again>. can't <laughs> hear him again. <laughs> uh, All right, Jonathan, it, it sounds you know? like
2: your question is uh, the difference between hearing and listening, right? It sounds like uh, oh. maybe, maybe there's a distinction between whether she's uh, able to process the auditory input or whether she's really going to take it to heart and make a change.
3: You know what? Fuck you, Jonathan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, and what about a manipulator? What oh, about someone who biscuit. instead of just saying stuff directly tries to get you to do things by, you know, leaving breadcrumbs?
2: So, like give me an example of a manipulation situation, right? Cause because we all think of manipulation differently.
0: Um, well, of course there's many types. You know, hi, just called to see how you are. Um, so good to hear your voice. Uh, and then a little bit of time later in the conversation. Um, I I need money.
2: Ooh. Ooh, I mean, in that case, right, you'd, you'd want to think through, like, is this person socially developed to where they're doing this intentionally or are they doing it accidentally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if it is someone who truly should know better or, or should, um, you know, seems to be able to navigate their other social situations pretty fluently um, Mm -hmm. and pretty easy. I think, you know, oftentimes like just acknowledging in some way that you understand um, what that person wants and why you're not going to give it to them. Right. Because I think Mm -hmm. one of the tools of a manipulator is trying to pretend like it's not their idea or trying to pretend like it's not their want in the first place. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you, you know, getting you to do something of your own volition. But if you say, hey, you know, it, it sounds like you're um, asking for money. Is that something that you need? Right. Like that's going to that's going to change the conversation. You'll still be having a conversation about that person wanting money. Right. Which is still an uncomfortable conversation. But now they're not but at least you're being honest about the terms of it. Totally. Yeah. And then you can confront it as a conversation about the money rather than a conversation about you trying to get rid of your own guilt. Um with this friend that you haven't talked to in a long time.
0: Okay. I, I know I know somebody and I would never say their name and and no one here knows them. Um, but they'll say, Did you want blah blah blah? Right? Eh. He'll say, Well, did you want to blah blah blah? And
1: Just this, this right is, this is Bonnie again.
0: I don't think I do that that much
3: anymore No. It's, it's put no, it's no one my attention.
0: It's no I don't one. think I do it that much. anymore. No, it's no one that anyone knows. It's it's just, it's, a, it's a made up character from a book. Did, did you uh, did you want to blah blah blah? And did
2: I, you want and to retake that? Yeah. 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 Jonathan has an answer here. I can see it on his face. Well, I was just gonna say I'm gonna take the the hypothetical person's back in this situation. Right. It sounds like they're giving oh. a command, but trying to soften it to make it less painful to the other people. And yes. it sounds like that person actually probably has the power to get done what they want, but they're trying to make you feel a little bit better about yourself while they try to do it. So I would say they're taking the right steps. Like they're doing the right thing. They're, they're trying to see if they can lead you in that wow. direction. No. It's rather than so annoying. It. I
0: can't no. even <laughs> begin to tell you how obnoxious that is. It's so transparent. Well, what are you supposed to say? If it's something you want, then you need to put it out as your own want.
3: Okay. So you're supposed to say, Jonathan, I like your hair better when it's, like, not—like, when it's not behind your ear? I mean, is that really—that seems so bossy.
1: <laughs> it well, it's cruel. it's no better than, are you sure you don't want to move your hair in front of your ear so you're not ugly?
2: i mean so the the most straightforward version would be i want you to move your hair behind your ears i think it looks better behind your ears right but that is you know back to our politeness theory discussion earlier in our conversation like that's something that feels a little uncomfortable for the person receiving it so in that case the person's trying to say like oh do you want to put your hair back behind your ears like that's a way of kind of trying to soften it rather than saying like i need you to put your hair back behind your ears you're going to thank me for it later but if if it's really covering up something like Adam said, where you're you're actually implying that the person is unattractive, or you know you're manipulating them that much, then then clearly that's problematic. But a little manipulation is is kind of the normal way of of, of good persuasive communication, right? I the key knew is just, I could get you to say that. Oh no!
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, I think she's even saying simple things like saying, "If we're in a studio, the doors open." I might say, "Do you?" Do you guys want the door open? And Paula feels like what I'm saying is I'd like to get the door closed.
0: No, it's some it's <laughs> not you. It's somebody else entirely. It's somebody that <laughs> nobody here knows.
2: I mean, direct communication is always the preferred method, right? Unless it's like rude or evil or or you know, particularly bossy, and in that situation, softening it some way. But you could say like, please, right? You could say like Hey, you know, please I'm wondering can we can we shut the door, right? I would feel better if we shut the door, right? Like those are those are additional ways, but it's not unusual to say um hey, you know, does does everyone want the door open or shut? Like does it matter? That's that's a way of starting the conversation.
3: Okay. That's easy when it's a door, but say and I, this is about no one we know. <laughs> say the person's doing something on camera, they don't have lipstick on. So it just feels like to go do you want to wear lipstick which that person who none of us know is right, that to me that feels critical. I don't know. What's the way to say that that's, that's correct? Because maybe they forgot lipstick, so you're doing them a favor. It just feels so hard to say those things.
0: Oh, here's a good way to do it. I can't see your lips at all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did, did you lose your lips? Oh,
0: my gosh. No, I'm not wearing <laughs> lipstick. Did you have a lipectomy? Oh, oh my
1: God. Oh, that's no what it is. How, how about someone who insults you someone who's insulting someone who's throwing shade at you in social situations in public uh, maybe they're maybe they're doing it as though they're kidding or maybe they're just being insulting how do you deal with that Ooh, someone belittling yeah that. so
2: you know one thing that you can do um, and this is a really old technique I think um, you know it goes back to like biblical times um, the idea of responding nice shoes
0: Jesus <laughs>
2: Responding um, sweetly, kindly, you know, like uh, there's the, the idea of uh, heaping coals on someone's head, right? When they do you a wrong, right? Just this idea of like right. being nice, like not responding negatively, like you're going to make them look like the fool in the situation in the long run, right? If you are responding positively. And so I think that's a good strategy, right? Like don't belittle them back because then you're just going to get more and more insults and more negative information about you is going to get in kind of that social sphere, right? Instead, um, you know, r- remain calm, be nice, um, or at least don't respond as negatively. Um, and, you know, maybe handle that on your own with that person rather than trying to have a big public um, duel about it. I mean, not literally a duel, but a big public conversation about it.
0: But now I feel uh, very untrusted. So if somebody says to me, boy, you know, so-and-so said you're a wonderful person, that now I'm going to go up to so-and-so and go, what do you think, I'm an asshole? Yeah, because it's, <laughs> it's. I think you know confusing. when you're
1: being insulted, Paula. You have a schnoz for that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, Jonathan, that was excellent. It's all very useful. And now we are going to run all of this new information through the old pouncedinator. Paula? Thanks so much to our house band, Aiden McDonnell on the
0: harp. The band has been exquisite this episode. If I can get you to give me a little bit of background music, I'll let you know what the old pounce donator spit out. <laughs> thanks also to Professor Jonathan Bowman, who has instructed us on how to handle difficult people. One of the key techniques is to reflect on how much you care about relationships with people who have these negative behaviors. I can see myself in the very near future addressing a gathering of my friends. Okay, thanks for coming. I can't really see because of the lights. I'll begin by calling the roll. If you could just say here, or present if you're here. My friend who lies, are, are you here? No, okay. My, my friend who manipulates, are, are you here? No, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, my friend who keeps me waiting, are, are you here? Not yet anyways, okay. Uh, my friend who interrupts all the time, are you out there? No, huh? My friend who brags, are you here? No. My my friend who tells me what to do all the time, are you here? No. There's no one out there, is there? Okay, I, I really have thinned the herd.
1: That's funny. He is a professor of communication studies at the University of San Diego, and our friend, thank you so much, returning champion, Jonathan Bowman.
0: Nice Thanks, job, Jonathan. Thanks, thank Jonathan. you. It was Thanks so for nice. having
2: me. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, it was wonderful. You, um, thank you, Jonathan. did Did you want to stay safe? What? <laughs> <laughs> did you want to stay safe? Normally, I would say to someone, "Hey, uh, take care of yourself. Stay safe." But I'm, um, but I didn't want to tell him what to do.
1: Oh, oh boy, oh. Oh, we're gonna be squabbling all night. That was the
0: oh, point. I get it. I get it. Jonathan, Jonathan, did you want to (laughs) wear lipstick?
2: (laughs) 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 (laughs)
1: Eh. Uh, Coming up, Adam Felber once said, there is no more ennobling human activity than the exchange of edifying quotations. How right he was. Our quote party is coming up next. (laughs) Thank you, Aiden McDonald. On that harp, we are so happy to have you back here. All right, uh, Paula Poundstone. Yes. I think it was Paula Poundstone who said, Hey, Adam, let's do quote party this week. Quote party. We
3: got quote party. We got quote, 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 quote party.
1: Thank you, Bonnie. Right off the top of
3: my head. No wow, cards, that's unbelievable. no pre-thinking, I'm, no nothing.
0: Huh. I wonder, uh, yeah, that's amazing. Want to hear it again? Amazing. I wonder, I, I wonder if, if the guy... No! I wonder <laughs> if the guy from uh, Queen just came up with it like that, you know. That's amazing.
1: Um, so... What was that? Wait, what, what is happening here?
0: I don't know. Bonnie is... Uh, As she tries to make adjustments socially, uh, and we didn't talk to uh, Professor Bowman about this, but as she tries to make adjustments socially, it seems like something else uh, goes haywire for her.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, (laughs) now that we've got there, uh, we've got our theme song. We've, we've, We've established that we're doing quote party. Paula Poundstone, what edifying quotation do you have this week and why?
0: Um. All right, Here's here's my quote. It is certain in any case that ignorance allied with power is the most ferocious enemy justice can have. Wow. That is a quote. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that's an observation that someone made a couple of weeks ago or perhaps on January 6th or on Election Day? No. It's a quote from James Baldwin. So apparently... Uh, this ignorance allied with power threat has been around for quite a while. Yeah. It is certain in any case that ignorance allied with power is the most ferocious enemy justice can have. Was it somebody who had had a chat with uh, Ted Cruz or or, or Rand Paul? Uh, No, it was James
1: Baldwin. Well, that's fantastic. I, I love that you dug that up, too. But let's dig up a quote from Bonnie Burns up in the Simi Valley. This is not a quote
0: from Bonnie Burns. This is a quote that Bonnie Burns found.
1: Right. You don't know that yet.
0: (laughs) No. I mean, a quote from Bonnie Burns is, "Uh, we're having a theme song party. That's a quote
1: from Bonnie Burns. (laughs) Or, do you want to have toilet paper on your shoe? Is that what... Do you, do you want yeah. that? No, yeah. I, I was going to
3: say, do you guys... That's a good one. Do you guys... How, how do you guys feel about having a quote from... Do you guys think it'd be a good idea to have a quote from me? Yes, I, It's buddy. not a
0: quote from you. I've left it's, myself wide open. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bunny, what quote did you bring? Okay. Well, mine
3: is from David Hockney, who's one of my favorite artists. And... uh This is the quote. We grow small trying to be great.
0: Ooh, that's how I got so small. (laughs) Wait, what did Paula say? I didn't hear her.
1: (laughs) Because she has that tiny little voice now.
0: Yeah, just push your vacuum cleaner closer to your ear. You'll hear. (laughs) Yeah,
3: sometimes she mumbles, I swear. She doesn't mumble. (laughs) She's out walking the dog. She calls me, and she's, like, mumbling into the flip phone thingy. Bonnie, mm-hmm. you often
1: don't hear me, and I do almost nothing but holler.
3: I, you know what? <laughs> do you guys want to keep, do you guys want to keep talking?
1: Yes, yes, we do. <laughs> um, and we're going to.
0: Okay. I'm so uh, glad that we had Professor Bowman, <laughs> because, I, 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 and unfortunately, what we've accidentally done is reinforced some of these traits instead of found a way to cope with them (laughs) yeah we've now i
3: have to ask him about that okay we grow small trying to be great is like i like the quote and it's like a philosophy that i have really i don't think you should strive to do something because like oh i'll do that to be great i don't think that's a reason to do something
2: Oh, I, I think see. you
3: do it because it's like creatively satisfying or it's satisfying, not because it'll make you great or famous. I like that.
1: Yeah, sure. I like the quote.
0: Uh, I think you took that from a, a bigger quote, um, because uh, <laughs> right after that, he said, um, I'm going to try to use more green.
3: <laughs> I think he said, I'm going to try and use more blue.
1: <laughs> if I can. Uh... Adam. Yes. Did you bring in a quote? I did, and I'm going to kind of pull up Bonnie Burns by first setting up why I brought this quote. As I told you at the beginning of this show, we've been having some severe plumbing issues at this house, and I was sitting around today with the guys outside coming to me, you know, every hour or so, and going like, well, don't use the bathroom or the sink for the next 25 minutes. Realizing how important having flowing water in and out of your house is, I thought to myself, "Wow, all well, for quote party tonight, I'm gonna Bonnie. Am I getting in the way of you making salad? No, Bonnie's making lemonade. I thought I'd eat while
3: you're talking. Really <laughs> <laughs> I I'd have a little snack.
0: <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, <laughs> nobody's. It's so important that you understand this. Okay, so we spend a lot of our lives." <laughs> with Bonnie calling us up going, there was noise on your track. Can you... Uh, and I go, Jesus, just... I, I, you know, did you do anything? Did you use a different microphone? Is there, is there something wrong with the wires you're using? Every, every week, there's, like, I don't know, there was a noise on your track. And meanwhile, she's about to fire up a Cuisinart. Uh, I, don't, I <laughs>
1: No she's no I can hear the chewing. She's already eating, Paula, and she's eating out of a out of a either a glass a or bowl. ceramic bowl. That was absolutely the sound yeah, of like
3: a glass bowl with a fork. <laughs> you can hear the chewing? Can you yes. really hear the chewing. Yes. I don't think but can just hear a, the chewing. Is it a salad? No, it's gross what you're I'm having.
1: Oh, what are you eating, Bonnie?
3: I'm relaxed. I'm sitting here
0: eating and listening to but you. what I can't figure out is how is the person Who's always so concerned about every <laughs> little sound. Just like, serving. Are you at a restaurant? I'm
3: comfortable. I've had a good time. It's been very enjoyable at the show. I'm sitting here, relaxed eating. Okay, but the show's not over. How about you finish the show and then eat? Yeah. <laughs> I got hungry. <laughs> it's not over yet.
1: Oh my God. You have to tell me what you're eating.
3: Okay, it's really gross.
1: Yes, that's what I want to know.
3: Okay, it's pineapple. I usually like it to be cherries, like frozen pineapple thawed out with organ powder on top of it.
0: And you couldn't wait for that? I said it was <laughs> I was
3: hungry. I didn't have a chance to have lunch or dinner. No, because you were
0: busy
1: manipulating earlier. So
0: you couldn't uh...
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Okay,
3: can you just go on? I'm enjoying my I just heard the
1: bowl again. Just put it down. (laughs) (laughs) Put Yeah. It's so audible. Just put the bowl down. Okay. Here you go.
0: Barney, do you want to put your bowl down and stop eating now? Yeah. Would you like (laughs) to do this? (laughs)
1: Okay, I stopped. Guarantee <laughs> you she's gonna be sneaking food into her mouth. No, I stopped. Okay, great. So uh, my current crisis has... <laughs> oh God damn it, Bonnie. <laughs> okay, really stopped.
0: <laughs>
1: oh It's a good thing I'm shooting heroin on this show. Okay, here we go. Oh um, my
0: gosh. Adam, don't shoot heroin on the show
1: because Bonnie will hear it, and she'll say, "I <laughs> heard." I don't know what it was on your track, you just, Adam. I don't know what it was. Yeah. It sounds like sounds like a needle going into skin. Yeah,
0: which one of you, which one of you was shooting heroin while we were recording? Because I could hear. She's still eating. Honestly, guys, she's still eating. You can hear that. Yes. Yes. I can't. Well then, no. I can't believe you hear and that. And if you, if you would get your hearing aids out of your vacuum cleaner, you could hear it too. <laughs> well, it's taking you a
3: long time to get through this. I'm enjoying myself. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll you quieter? Oh my god! I'm still
1: hearing spoon hit bowl. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, I'm just gonna, I'm just okay. gonna bowl through. Okay, I curves. really
3: put it to the side.
1: Great. So now <laughs> yeah. you're eating on the side. Um,
3: what if I use my finger? I use my finger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think, I think we might be done with quote party.
3: No, we're not. I want to no. hear you. Oh no. no. Yeah.
1: Cause I have, I have a new quote that I want to use, and it's, it's <laughs> mine. <and> it's, <laughs>
3: You can't use that for one. Bonnie.
1: it's not very original. No, you can't <laughs> use that one all right, okay. so I was looking up the importance of plumbing. I thought maybe somebody in history has said something about that plumbing is really more important than most people think. It turns out everybody in history has said so, oh, is that true? yeah, it's like it's like every once in a while, like like throughout history, there's people saying like one thing that's underappreciated is how important plumbing is, so I guess everybody has had that experience that I'm having right now. uh, so I just took I took a quick one that I really liked because it was pithy. And it's from Spencer Tracy. He says, acting is not an important job in the scheme of things. Plumbing is.
0: Yeah, that's from that movie he did. What was it? Uh, Inherit the Plumbing. Yes. He did that movie, Inherit the Flush.
1: Uh, Very. (laughs) (laughs) So help me, Bonnie. I heard that, too. You did not. God. (laughs) You were doing it. You admit it.
0: Oh, my gosh. Boy, Tony's going to wish she had been here today.
1: Um, I didn't really
0: miss her all that much. I thought we did okay without
3: her. Jesus. No, I love having her on, but I really thought we did okay today. Huh. No, I think maybe, how would you describe what I
0: just said in terms of what Jonathan told us?
1: I don't know. I I don't know.
0: I don't think he said anything about... Slighting comments about your friend while they're not there, I don't think he I- mentioned that
1: <laughs> 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 yes, and with with that, ladies and gentlemen, that has been quote party.
0: Uh, you know what? I think we should go a little longer so Bonnie can finish up her organ and frozen pineapple. Um, <laughs> no,
3: it's thought out. You I out. think
0: the show was going really good <laughs> until, Bonnie, <laughs> until Bonnie clicked on the feedback. And then and then things went a little off, <laughs> off the rails.
1: Yeah. Jeez. Nobody's, if you have questions or comments, drop us a line at nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone at gmail.com. And Paula, <laughs> Paula, what's going on in your Poundstone product empire this week? I'm going to fix this bench while Paula tells us what's going on in the uh, Poundstone Product Empire.
0: Adam, Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated, has had... (laughs) has had such... such a successful season. Uh, You know, Dr. Manet... Dr. Monet is at his his shoemaking bench. Uh, (laughs) Adam, did I tell you this? Poundstone Industries, also known (laughs) as... Lipstick Nancy Incorporated has had such a successful season. We sold one fucking shirt. Although it's hard to isolate the variables that go into that... (laughs) We do have a cutting-edge employee wellness program. I'm smoking. Listeners can find my remarkably soft tri-poly blend T-shirts with my self-portrait on the left front breast and a memorable quote on the back in both baseball and standard styles at the store at my website, paulapoundstone.com. I also just harvested a beautiful batch Of worm poop, and I didn't do it while we were recording. You (laughs) sprinkle a little of the worm poop around your plants or make a potting soil mix with about 20% worm castings, and you'll have a nonviolent Audrey 2. It's amazing how quickly and noticeably this improves your plant. I have about eight and a half pounds. I'll sell it at $4 a pound plus shipping. Write me at Paula at paulapoundstone.com if you'd like a pound or two. We'll work it out. Wow. I'll be coming off my teeny tiny worm farm tractor to perform in Santa Cruz at the Rio Theater Friday, October 29th in Baltimore, Maryland at the Crash Hour Auditorium Thursday, November 4th, and Thousand Oaks, California at the Thousand Oaks Performing Arts Center on Friday, November 5th. Click on the tour tab at my website, which is paulapoundstone.com. Of course, there's much more to tell you, but Heidi.
1: Yeah, Heidi, I tell you, everybody, you can subscribe to this podcast. It's free. You'll get it every week at no charge. And if there's a subject or topic you want to know more about, tell us. We're at to paulapoundstone at gmail.com. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is finally the end of our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam the Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. Jonathan Bowman. Yay! And to our house band harpist, Aidan McDonald. Yay! Yay! All right, our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lazebnik, and Tony Anita Hull, although she's not here today. Starburns production by Land Romo and Kyle McGraw. Poundstone Industries production by Vic Lowry. Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service.
0: That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me?
1: I think uh, that...
0: Um... You know, we say if there's a subject that you'd like to know more about, um, people yeah. should uh, contact us. But also, if there's another um, uh, dish uh, that they'd like to hear Bonnie eat, <laughs> um, they can also,
1: um, yeah, you know, oh, they should. Uh, if they have, she'll eat. And you know what? They can. Com- we can combine people's requests because Bonnie will throw together things that really shouldn't be in the same bowl.
0: Yeah, she'll stir up like a Chex mix uh, with, the, uh, with chicken the, soup. Uh, pot- yeah. Yeah, with the pineapple, and uh, <laughs> well, actually, um, you know, with the strawberries and the uh, and the chicken, the strawberry chicken, she likes that. Uh, yeah, yeah. With so a bit if there's anything, yeah, a little bit of butter. Oh my gosh, yeah, um, yeah and uh, and she always likes to sprinkle some sort of powder on her food. And if she doesn't have some sort of nutritious powder like organic, <laughs> she'll just use powder.
1: Yeah, she'll use whatever's around. Yeah.
0: So a lot of a lot of people are going to send in recipes for for Bonnie to uh, eat during the show. That's great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, Send it in, people. Send it in. Nobody else. Yeah. It's PaulaPounds99@gmail.com. <laughs> another
0: another Bonnie Burns recipe. Stop a podcast. <clears throat> a podcast network.